Good morning, everybody. Morning. It rained. Huh? I mean, this is a celebration time, folks. It rained. And I'm thank you, thank you, Lord, for what is not a little thing. It's a great thing. Um, I brought back the blue notes. So if you get a chance, at the end of the tables in the back are some blue note cards that have got kind of like follow along with me as I as I share these things as uh, God has laid them on my heart through this week. And uh, if it helps, I pray it does help. Take notes and kind of keep track of stuff. Give you something for uh, give you something for the week, possibly. I want to start this morning. And Chase, I know I, I had you put like a whole big section of Colossians chapter 3 in there. But I just want to start with the first four verses of chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. And I want to I tag that because, because that's, that, that follows after something that Jesus said, and I think that we're familiar with it. In Matthew chapter 6, and Chase, I didn't put that in there, so we're just going to follow along. Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But here's, here's, the, here's the part. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray again, because I know that this, this, this person needs prayer, needs the Lord. Um, Father, 
May this your word go forth from this pulpit today and speak to all of us. May you take our minds and our attention and draw us to you, to see you as you really are, to understand your word and see you rightly and live by that sight. To let that faith in who you are be what moves our hearts and minds and mouths and hands and feet. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been... Uh, since since last we were here this is this has been quite a, a week of uh reflecting i'll say that because last week i was in las vegas and and to some of you maybe that says enough and to some of you it might be like, and uh, just what were you doing in Las Vegas? <laughs> See? there, There's what it was. Well, I went to, no, I didn't go to party and do stupid stuff. You know, what happens in Vegas should not happen and should go away, regardless of whatever the saying is. Yeah, it should not, it just, yes, yeah, it should stay there and it should burn. Uh, yeah. I know, and and that's just that thing. But see, instantly we go Vegas, and we go, ooh, see, Vegas, and what was that? Well, I went out there for work, because I had to. It's my job. And I went to a meeting, and next year, thank you, Lord, it's going to be in Nashville. So we're improving. But something about but something about being there kind of reminded me of of, of something. Uh, it reminded me of a lot of things, and not all of them were great, but it reminded me of being in high school and and a lot of the guys that I knew, uh, and not that I ran around with, but just a lot of guys I knew, and a lot of th things I saw that happened in high school, mostly resulting in peer pressure, mostly resulting from this relationship, like in the horizontal, right? Well, if you're going to be one of the cool people, you're going to do these things. Well, I just want to fit in, right? And, and, it's, and it's interesting to see that that still motivates us sometimes, right? You know, what and I think you know what I'm saying. It, it, it's not just... It's not just in the school world, and it's not just in the, the work world, these little realms that we have that we go into, but it also happens in the, the church world because we want to belong to something. We do. We want to belong to something. We want to be with a people, and we want to be like, 
We want to be the cool kids. And, and we want to win. We want to be on the winning side. And so you see that kind of like the, the horizontal pressures that are put on us in life. And we begin to make decisions and we start doing things based on what we believe about our circumstances. And that kind of like leans me over into our today. So we look at the news and we see what's going on in the world around us and we and we bite our fingernails or we look across the scenarios and think, oh, well, this is it. This is the end. This has got to be the end. It's all over here because look at how awful these things are. And we get looking at the horizontal and it starts causing us to make decisions about how we look at God. And first point, theology has consequences. Theology has consequences. What we believe about God will become evident in our attitude and behavior. What we believe about God will become evident in our attitude and behavior. So we have this tendency to kind of kind of live in the vertical, right? We have this tendency because we live here. This is where we experience life. This is where we experience people, relationships. This is where we interact with the world. This we interact with our families. We interact with we go to grocery stores and ball games and concerts and we have events and it all means people. And and we do this we do this here too. We come to this building to worship and to gather. But when we first walk through this when we first walk through the doors, let's just be honest. When we first walk through the doors, we don't just go straight to the vertical. We're just like praising God and just instantly we're in the word and we're just like thinking spiritual thoughts and we're just like deep in it. Now, if you are, well, I mean, well, bless God. That's awesome. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. If you are, I, I still can't pull that off. If I'm being honest with you, I still can't pull that off. And I don't know that it means I'm less spiritual or more spiritual. I don't know that it means anything of anything other than I see people and I start wanting to interact. And I start wanting to connect. Or I might get nervous. Oh, I forgot the thing. Or or I saw someone and I was like, oh, I was going to tell them something. And we start doing this number here. We start interacting with one another. We tell our stories. We hear our stories one to another. We interact. We fellowship. And that's not a bad thing at all because we live in a world that deals with things and it's in the horizontal. But if we're not mindful 
we can get caught up in what's happening in this place, and that becomes our only focus. Not intentional, like we're just trying to focus on this. And I'm, and I know that that as I address this, I'm speaking to believers. You know, if I just wanted to go generally into the world, it's like, yeah, the world will run from anything that has to do with spiritual, or anything that has to do with the heart, because they're just they're in rebellion or they're afraid of what it means. I mean, if we've heard sermons, you know, Pastor Andy, the the sermons the past several weeks. I got notes just everywhere, things blowing up. It's been very difficult for me to just to get this together because I keep thinking of all the things that's been said, you know, talking about our sin and the contrast of the the law brings, you know, the law bringing understanding, the law showing us where we are, and that's an embarrassing thing for us. And it's a it's a leveling thing that draws us to the cross and it brings us back to the place of realizing you know, our sin and, and what it costs to get it covered, and yet what position we've been given in Christ, Christ's righteousness imputed. There's been a lot of things that have come out of being in Romans and just having this understanding. The world sees those things and it runs because I don't want to be shown up for who I am. I want to be, I want to be, do it my own way. I want to do my own thing. So I'm not talking to the world in general. I'm kind of talking to us here in our spaces. It's easy sometimes for us to just kind of get really thinking about what's what's happening here and and letting what's happening around us make decisions about how we see God and how we interact with him. And thus, you know, thus that scripture Jesus was talking about that about the anxiousness. And, and, and so much of what he's talking about was about like we see, we make these comparisons with people and we get anxious. We make these comparisons of our situation at present and where we think it ought to be and we get anxious and we get nervous because we're looking around us and seeing what is and what isn't and we become afraid and we lose heart when we don't see what we think ought to line up. And Jesus says He knows that's at play in us. And He says, the Father knows what you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and let him take care of it. All these things will be added to you. Trust me, all that's not prosperity gospel. It's not. Because just think about it in, in light of Colossians, in light of what Jesus said about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When we rightly see God as our everything, our source, our supply, our comfort, our hope, our help, our strength, our rock, our provision, our comparisons with other things in this world fall away, don't they? 
I mean, does it doesn't it kind of slip out of importance a little bit? Now I might say, well, that's easy from a first world principle to say that. I mean, we have so much around us. We're throwing things away that the rest of the world would clamor for just to have one crumb, one bit of that. And I will say this. There will be people standing before God with bags of gold, figuratively, literally, bags of gold or two chickens clinging as tightly as they can, going, mine, 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 you're not going to take it away from me. I lived for this. This is mine. And they'll both be in the same shape, trusting what they can hold and have, and it's showing in the grip. Theology has consequences. What we believe about God will affect our bearing it will affect how we look at our circumstances. It will affect how we look at other people. It will affect how we look at the news and we look at things around us. It will affect it. I give some for examples. We're going to go through a few here before I go further. So, what we believe about God will become evident in our attitude and behavior. If we believe that He is only the God of this building and this gathering, then our focus will be on what happens here. And, and I, I don't want to just say, I'm just saying that to AVCC. I'm not just saying that to, to this group. But if we believe that He is only the God of this type of building, and this type of gathering, then our focus will be on what happens here. What happens in church stays in church. See, I did that with the Vegas thing and kind of, I did it on purpose. Put that in the notes. But it becomes what happens, what happens here stays here. It becomes this is, this is, God is the only God of the church and of our gathering. You hear what I'm saying? And there's more, so just bear with me while we get there. If we believe that He is only the God of heaven, then our focus will be on uh, some glad morning. Right? You know the song, some, some glad morning when this life is over? I'm bailing out of here. Right? Some glad morning, and I'm, I don't want to, please don't think I want to make light of the song, but Probably in some ways I want us to think about some of the things that we sing. So I'm glad morning, get me out of here. I'll fly away. I'm I, I am I am bound for another land. And I know that scripture will kind of challenge that as we get rolling through it. It'll challenge that mindset. It just will. But he's not only only the God of heaven. And, and and that mindset that he's only the God of heaven, he's God in heaven over there someplace, it's like for us became, sort of becomes like roll out the escape pods, you know, push the button, eject me out of this mess. 
because again, we look at our circumstances and it's not comfortable at some spaces. So we do a lot of things with that. We'll, we'll assign that to, well, the Christian life is about being uncomfortable. No, it's not about being uncomfortable. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. He didn't say, in this world, it is all tribulation. No, in this world, you will have tribulation. Now, if he stopped there, we would say, well, that's kind of obvious. But he goes on to say, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, we live in this world, but who do we live in, believers? In Christ. So in Christ, we are in the overcoming. Okay? You understand what I'm saying there? Like, we are in the overcoming. And again, I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm, I'm playing at and poking around at what I've heard and you all have heard, seen, and everything in the prosperity gospel things. It's like it's all going to rain, gold falling from sky, and everything else. No. In this world, you will have tribulations is not canceled. But what we find is that in Christ, we are victorious. Which calls into question, what are we calling victorious? What are we defining as success? What do we call victory? Because if it's all looking around here in the circumstances... We could become like the disciples who when Jesus was talking to the rich man and he went away sad and they were wondering, like, who can be saved? Because their concept of the abundance that God blessed people with was their idea of that person of Jewish belief is going to heaven because look at how God has blessed him. That was a, that was a mindset that was there. But Jesus is like, you're missing the point of what richness is. You're missing the point of what provision is. You seek the things here and want the things here. You gauge success or failure by what happens here, and you're going to move like a boat just pitched around from one circumstance to another. My mind, you know, Carrie, I should silly things that I think of. I don't know how many have seen the movie Tangled. Any any taggers? Tangled? Movie Tangled. Okay. This is the best day ever. I am the worst human that ever lived. I am having the time of my life. I wish I were dead. You know, that that's that's what if our life and our concepts of how things are flowing and going are built around that concept. We'll just we we will look like that. I mean, it may not be as dramatic, but it's happening in here somehow or other, right? Because it's happening in here. And what we believe about God and who He is and who we have been made in Christ will cause us to either 
drift and float around based on what's happening in and around us, or we'll turn our eyes up and we'll we'll have a fixed point of reference from which to move. There's the lighthouse right there. Waves splashing. The world's got troubles. This wasn't the greatest week. This was, I, I went through some stuff and it was, it was terrible. I still have flashbacks from what this week had in it, stress attacks and everything else. And it's just, it's going like this. But there's the lighthouse with this fixed point of reference that I know whom I've believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. And there's that light. So let the sea rage. I mean, let it do whatever. And the sea, in figurative language, in a lot of scriptures, the sea is two months of crowds of people being in Vegas and just being around crowds of people and just watching this mess. Like high school on steroids, people doing ridiculously stupid things. And and it wasn't as blatant as you would think. It was just but it was still just kind of dumb. You know, people throwing away money like crazy, people drinking until they've lost their minds. Um and just stuff and you're just like really oh please lord how soon can that flight come you know just get me out of here or just you know go to the meetings we'll talk about work stuff i'll figure out the things you need to figure out and get me home like just get me home but in seeing that waves tossing and noise and it's like this distraction and god just keeps saying me the lighthouse Fixed point of reference. Keep your eyes not on what the world is doing and how just how how disgusting or how discouraging or how dark it is. Focus on who I am. Don't be tossed around by what you see people doing, but focus on who I am because that is the one fixed point of reference. I will not move. I will not change. If we believe that He is the God of our sweet little heart, then He's just in there. You know, He's he's in there somewhere. Right? If He's just the God of our sweet little heart and our sweet little existence, then, then He's just, He's in there somewhere. But the last of my, if we... If we believe there is not one speck of creation over which he can't say mine, then our focus will become Christ alone, Lord of all. Do you hear what I'm saying? If we believe there's not one speck of creation over which he can't say mine, then our focus will become Christ alone, Lord of all. In Matthew chapter 6, still in chapter 6, in verse 
in verse starting in verse five. Very hopefully familiar, hopefully familiar with the, the Lord's Prayer. But Jesus was teaching them. This is the long version. You you go to Luke to see the short version of when they said, Teach us to pray, and he gave them just this short version of this. But the long version here in Matthew. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Reminiscent of what he's going to say again in Seek First the Kingdom of God. God knows what you need. He knows your needs. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I've been challenged to pray more like this all the time. Thy kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Where? On earth, as in heaven. Here, just like in heaven. Now, believing, believing that there is not one speck of creation, not one person, I don't care how wild, crazy, wicked, not one situation, I don't care how wonky in this world that it gets, Who's in leadership? Who's making decisions? Who's not? Great tumults of people fighting against systems or people just quietly taking it and being mowed under. I don't care what thing we point out. There is not one, not one thing that God does not say, that Jesus does not say, Mine over. Not one. So there's not a circumstance that we can find ourselves in that he doesn't say, mine. And you can say, well, it's not really working. It, it looks, this looks horrible. He still has it. More importantly than him having the circumstances, is us knowing and believing that He does have us. He does have us. That He doesn't just have our stuff and our circumstances, but that He has our attitude and our, I want to say behavior. I'm so, I'm so leery of throwing behavior out there because we do tend to want to go, I'm doing all the good things and the right things, and that doesn't earn us anything. But that he has our that he has our attitude. 
right? So if you understand attitude in the sense of uh, navigation and ships, you know, the attitude is is more about how it's sitting in the water. Like what approach it's taking to the waves and what approach it's taking to the harbor, where it's pointed and how it's being steered and guided. When we talk about our attitude that way, it's much different than just like feelings and, and my thoughts. No, it's like how, you, how you're turning in the waters, how you are negotiating the wild scenarios. It's, it's what is our attitude? What is our mindset? What are we thinking? And are we being renewed? Are we being transformed? Or are we being conformed? Because I promise you that a ship that starts to conform to the waves that it's in will capsize. It just will. And anybody who's ever been around boats knows that if you start moving with the waves, it might be fun for a minute or two, like when you're a kid and you're wearing a swimming suit, you know, and you're ready to be dumped in the water. But if you're out fishing wearing a lot of clothes and you got a lot of expensive material inside of that boat, it's not as fun anymore to start swinging. I mean, I'm sure Dad can remember times when, when I was a kid and I was being an idiot in the boat, and he was saying, like, stop doing that. You know, why? Because he knew that if I kept goofing off like that, eventually I'm going to dump the boat and the gear, and we're going to get wet, and he's not going to be happy, and I'm going to be in trouble. And then I have to think about that. Like, if my attitude is fixed on something that's just like, I'm just rolling with the waves that are going on around me, and my attitude is such, just take it in stride, just be with, be with, be with whatever and act like whatever. Theology has consequences. We are to cut our rudder. Point it into the waves and go through them because the trajectory is toward safety, toward the lighthouse, toward the shore, it's Godward. And if we fear the waves, we will be capsized. And if we're foolish in the waves, we'll be capsized. But we're intentional in focusing on the port we're going to, and we know the way the waves are coming, and we know that the one who pilots our boat has been in these waters before and knows exactly how to handle them as a man and has overcome, that changes the way we approach the struggles and the trials that we face in this life. And we understand that our victory in Christ is sure. Fixed point of reference, and it's back to Colossians. will appear with him in glory. And then Paul gives a list. 
and I will say this before I get to it. If we have a fixed point of reference that is, again, like fixed in the vertical, not the horizontal, but fixed in the vertical, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Okay, that's the direction I am pointed. That's the attitude, my, my, my rudder, however you want to fix that, that's, that's my bearing. That's my trajectory. It is both uh, I am, I have been saved, and I am being saved, and I will be saved. Like I was launched on this course by the grace of God, I am sailing this course by the grace of God, and I will arrive at the destination by the grace of God. Fixed point of reference. So I have that mindset. With that in mind, knowing who we are and where we're headed, then we put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its Creator. That concept of going back to the original design and intention of God. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if one is a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Do you not hear even the hints of Jesus talking about seek first the kingdom of God and all these things you'll be taken care of. Like it'll it'll be your your needs will be met. I've got you. Keep your focus not on this, but on him. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. How then should we now live? It is for us living up to the position that we've been put in. We have been... We have the righteousness of Christ imputed. Like, we didn't deserve it. Like, I'll probably... I'll probably I don't know if I'll say this every time I get up here, but it just keeps coming up again and again. 
I didn't earn this. Like, I didn't earn this spot up here doing this. I didn't earn this salvation. What a great guy I am. And he just lived this certain way. You know, the world called him goody two-shoes. And everybody else looks to what a great guy. And all of that was just filthy rags. Because I didn't know the Lord. I was a good kid. It's religious. You know, I had concepts of faith. I mean, I heard about God from the time I was little. I didn't believe in any of that evolution stuff. I believe God made it all. I'm good. My heart was so far from Christ. I was doing everything to try to fit in and do what pleased everybody and also God. And it was a mess. I was a mess. Lost, totally lost, and totally undone. But Christ did something in me. And when He saved me, He put a righteousness that I just couldn't earn. Like I just never could live up. He put something inside of me that was foreign to me. And, and now, I, I love it. Because it's not me. It's Him. And and I and I love it all the more because it's like I just like I just want to do that. Like I just want to do that thing that you put in there. Like I love that grace and mercy and righteousness that you just poured on me. And I just want to do it. Like I don't think that I have to do stuff to earn this. You put it there. But I just want to do stuff because you put it there. Like, I so want to live up to that which God has placed inside of me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's not, I'm not motivated by fear. I'm afraid someone's going to catch me doing something stupid, so I just better tame it down, you know. I'm afraid I'll never get to preach again if I do some dumb thing, so I better just watch, you know, I better just check off all the boxes and stop this and start that and do this and do that because I don't want any... I just don't care about that anymore. Right? Like, you know, I know that Karen and I have had a lot of these conversations. I just don't care about that anymore. Like, it means nothing to me anymore. Because compared to loving that Christ has done something inside of me that I couldn't have done... All of the actions to try to live up to something I couldn't before anyway just seems futile. Why would I go back to trying to do that again? But knowing that the change of behavior and the change of actions flow out of His grace. To, to look at the lists that Paul is given and not look for boxes to check off, but to realize, oh, okay, God, you say it's wrong. All right, I'm, I'm with you. Like what You say it's wrong, I'm in. I'm good. Because I know what you did. And I don't want to do anything to bring, to tarnish anything of what you did in me. I just like, I want to join that. I know I'm not trying to earn anything. But I know that I want to just like, I just want to run in those spaces, God, because you did this in me. I'm not trying to check off the boxes anymore. 
I just want to, like, you've called me righteous in Christ, and I know differently, and I want to do that differently. I want to do all of this differently. The mo- you see that the motivation changes. You, you know what I mean? The motivation changes. Like we're, it's, it's all, it's just, Romans is littered with it. Like we just been, there, there's so much and so much more that's just going to keep coming up. I, I, I went to Romans and started kind of trying to read. And it's like, I can't do this because Randy's going to do this and I don't want to like get all in the spaces. And he's like, come along and go, dude, why did you do that? <laughs> well, because I was too excited and I just had to say these things. But I see all in it the grace and mercy of God. I see the law in contrast to our sin and, and how it brings us to the Savior. I see how it's how that that the the word of God, the law of God is this mirror, and I just pick it up and look at it and go, ooh, man, I need to do something about that. And I want to, because I don't want to look shabby. You know? Uh physically. Sometimes you just can't do anything about that, and I'm sorry. But the spiritual part the mirror to the mirror to the soul part. It's like, oh, I, I don't want that looking shabby. I want that looking. I, I want that looking pristine, because it's been made pristine in Christ. And I guess, well, it's the last little bits. What we tend is what will grow. What we tend, culture, you know, cultivate, nourish, water. What we tend is what will grow. What we maintain is what will function. Right? What we maintain is what will function. And it's the last one there is move it or lose it. I've heard that expressed in a lot of ways, you know, on, in traffic and it's like, move it or lose it, pal. But, but I've, as I've gotten older and things don't move like they used to and I sit for a long time and then I get up and it's like, ooh, okay. That's not working like it used to. Then I've realized, you know, if I don't keep moving these things, the muscles and the stuff, it's like, yeah, I know the tendency as you get older is just like, just slow it on down. It's like, yeah, I realize you've got to slow it on down, but you still got to move it, right? you still got to move it. You move it, you don't, if, if you don't move the muscles, if you don't work the muscles, they will go away. And as you get older, they go away faster than they ever did, right? I mean, right, young people? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I just hurt myself playing things and woke up the next day and bounced out of bed and was like, I'm better, you know. I slept the other night and hurt myself. I didn't even move. And I woke up in pain. So it's just like, all right, I got to move stuff or lose stuff. And that works in the spiritual as well. Move these things. Faith without works is dead. Like, move it. Move your heart. Move your mind. Move your, move your everything toward what God has called you to in Christ. What He has made you in Christ. And I will say this. His kingdom, like your will be done, your kingdom come, is not just some future event where we go, one of these days, the kingdom will come and it will be here. What is the kingdom of God? Is it not Christ? Is He not ruler of all now? 
like he's not ruler of all there and we're just stuck here. He's not ruler of all eventually. He's ruler now. So the kingdom is here. If you are in Christ, the kingdom of God is in you. And He is building His kingdom with you and I. How, how will they hear without a preacher? How will they know unless they are told? Hey, guess what? We get to do that. What we believe, theology has consequences. What we believe about who we are and who God is makes a difference in how we walk this out. And if you think that it doesn't make a difference in how this world goes, you're mistaken. On the heels of some of the greatest things, Reformation and, and Great Awakening, real Great Awakenings, where revival sweeps the land and people are coming to Christ in droves because they see their sin and they realize their lost condition and they come to Christ in great numbers in, in periods of time. Guess what else changed? Everything. Everything. Which also makes me think, well, what did Jesus say we were supposed to be? Salt and light. Which means somehow that must be applied, right? So, if we believe that the kingdom of God is not somewhere over there or somewhere in the future someplace, but we believe it is here in us in Christ, then we do have the mind of, if, if we do have and is developing in us the mind of Christ, then, then the kingdom is here. And we are called to be envoys, liaison. We are called to be ambassadors. Paul called himself, I'm an ambassador in chains. Do you know that the change did not matter to him? The ambassador part did. So our calling and our place and who we are and what we are is built around the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And it's built around His calling, drawing us up into Himself. And when we understand who He is, when we have a right concept of who God is and what He is doing and what He desires to do with us and what He'll use us for, does that not give us some boldness? Because if you look around at the world and go, oh my, oh my, and it's coming. Hunker in the bunker. You know, grab your Patriot food boxes and head to the basement. Now, I'm not insulting Patriot food boxes because I think we live in Missouri. That's a pretty good idea. <laughs> You know, we have one ice storm and you can blow through a Patriot box in about a week, right? I don't mean don't be prepared. I don't mean don't think about what's going on in the world and go, okay, I've got to make a kind of a plan here. Got to make some, some changes to what we do. Okay, the world's going through a recession, whether they call it that or not. It's like, all right, well, change the budget a little bit. And we'll look at some stuff and go, oh, yeah, make some decisions about the stuff. But I will say this, there has never been a better time than now for a bold, resolute, 
proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ in word and in deed. You hear what I'm saying? There has never been a better time. This world, whether they know it or acknowledge it or not, is hungry, hungry for truth and right and good. And, and you say, people don't want that. They are rebellious against that. Yes, they are. But this world is groaning right now. And what is it waiting for? We'll get to it in Romans, right? What is this world waiting for? It's groaning for the redemption of the sons of God. Groaning to be for the glory of God to come and remake it all. And it starts because He remade us. It starts because He remade us. And He's calling us to be His ambassadors. There's never been a better time for a bold proclamation of the Gospel of Christ. There's never been a better time to stand up and, and not be afraid to stand out because you have the truth and you have hope. And you're not bragging about it. You're blown away by the fact that He would do such a thing. I know that I could get really wound up because I've been reading through Randy's notes and I've been looking at kind of what's coming ahead and I'm kind of excited. And I, I, I blew up the house a lot this week. You can just ask Carrie. You just get like wound up and I'm just saying all this stuff. And it's like, that's great. Are you writing this down? No, I can't write that fast. <laughs> and it's, I sit down at the paper and it, oh, it's gone. There it went. You know, I know I could do that, and I. But I pray that what this this piece of something did was was stir in you, and what stirred in me is like we we are held firm in hands that cannot be broken. We are fixed on Christ because He's going to keep calling us to be fixed on Him. Right? Dusty talked about it in the song. It's like this, the, the heart of the guy who wrote the song is like, and are we really there? It's like, well, yeah, I mean, we know that this is the answer and we know, yes, what he's saying is true, but somehow the stuff made it like not so clear. But then when you kind of get a... Hey, are you listening to what you just said here? Are you listening to what this says? Like, do you get what this really means? Do you understand that your understanding of God right now, it, it should make a difference. It, it has consequences. Consequences aren't just bad. They're, they're, they're good and bad. And they can have some really good consequences. And, and I pray that, that in sharing these things, that, that it's kind of stirring some, like, yeah, in you. You know? I mean, that's what I want. Like, when we've been listening to a lot of stuff lately, like just stirring that in my heart. It's like, yes! I mean, why am I sitting in the shadow something? Why am I scared all the time? Oh, they're going to do some stuff. Oh, they're going to force this on us. Oh, they're going to force this. Okay, whatever. Why am I afraid? Yeah, we win. We do win. We do win. We don't just win someday. We win now. 
Because our victory is not about the stuff that's down here. Our victory, what is the song? Oh, victory in Jesus, right? The victory is not in, I got money, I got a house, I got cars, I got more stuff than I know what to do with. We, you know, when burning dollars in the front yard. That's not victory. We defined, we defined victory the wrong way. When we get our mindset turned, it's like, oh, as a Christian, we're supposed to be defeated. No, we are not. We are more than conquerors in ourselves. No, in Christ. In Christ. So we should not live like a defeated people scared of our own shadow in the world. Because they're going to hell apart from the knowledge of Christ. And God has chosen to use us to take the Gospel to them and He will save people. He will. Be bold, y'all. It is time to be bold and resolute in our faith in the proclamation of the Gospel. What we believe about God and His work in this world has consequences. And if we believe defeat, and the only way to be a Christian is just to be beat up and kicked around, then we've missed the point. We have missed the point. We were bought with a price that we might shine the light of Jesus into the world and take that message of restoration that's been given to us and loudly and boldly proclaim it. Now is not the time to shy back from it. Now more than ever, this world does not need reformation in government, though it wouldn't hurt anything. What they need, what this world needs is the children of God living like they're in the kingdom of God, which they are, proclaiming the Gospel of Jesus Christ boldly and strongly with love and conviction, knowing that apart from hearing this, you will perish, and that troubles me for you. And I can't think of a more powerful form of hatred for somebody than to have the answers and not proclaim them, and not give them. And I heard that very profoundly said from an atheist. Pendulette. I don't know if you know, anybody knows Pendulette, Penn and Teller. Atheist. Just staunch atheist witnessed to by a guy after a comedy show. Came up to him, shared the Gospel with him, wanted to give him a Bible, and he was like, no, no, no. This atheist, it so struck him, and he just kind of like did, this, did the logic in his head that a lot of people won't do. It's like, you know, this guy believed that he had the answer. Now, I don't believe any of that stuff, but he did believe he had the answer, and he did believe that Jesus was the only way. And he saw me as apart from all that and that I'm going to burn in hell, which I don't believe in. But he, he wanted to share the Gospel with me. And I find that interesting. It's like, and he's saying that. It's like the greatest form of hatred I think you'd have is that if you know the answer and you're not willing to tell anybody when you see that they're about to come to a terrible end. And so he was like an atheist applauding someone sharing the Gospel. And I'm thinking to myself, not just about that, but it's like, yeah, he's right. What kind of hatred would it be 
for us to withhold the gospel from the world. To withhold the gospel because we're afraid it'll make us look weird. Or because we're afraid it'll make us, we'll miss something. I, I, I could, I, I must stop. Please, somebody stop me. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie. She's always been my rock and, and the good person years ago to go quietly in the room. You know, is she adjusting her collar? No. Y'all failed me today to stop me. I'm not upset, though. Let's pray. Father, I know that there is so much more. Uh, there are so many more. There's so many more words. There's so much more Scripture that, that comes to mind, that comes to bear. It's just almost overwhelming in a wonderful way to just see your work and, and your desire for our hearts in every way. Lord, help us to go at the study and application of Your Word with, with Your glory in mind, fixed on the idea that, that You're the one who's worth it all. That You're the one who deserves all the praise. But even, even our good works are a product of Your grace and Your mercy extended to us. And so my prayer for us, all of us, me included, is that we will hold the right view of You. That we will hold a right understanding of Your Word and a right understanding of our place in all of these things. To know it's not about us it's about You. But it's also for us because You're just that good that You do things for us. You, you have given us Your Word for us. You have given us Your love and expressed things for us. And I pray that we do the same to others. I pray that becomes our heart to others. That we begin to express the Gospel. That we would begin to stand out for Your glory and for others. May we go from this place as we go with our hearts filled with Your purposes. May it be that these moments, these moments in the week would grow into hours. Minutes and hours of, of just pondering Your goodness and expressing thankfulness and delighting in Your goodness and just rehearsing over and over again who You are and what You've done and what You call us into, what You're making us. And may, Lord, we rise to Your calling for Your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.